here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. What's up, folks? Dylan chair here, and welcome to the drop zone. Um, kind of a wild weekend in golf, but we are going to do something slightly different with this week's podcast, and that is... Uh, I don't know, you can think of it as a report card or an exit interview with Xander Shoffley. And Zan- we've had Xander on before, friend of the pod, you could say. Um, but I thought this one was a little different, and and I really liked the way it went. We you know, stayed away from big picture questions and instead just went through his season. I mean, this is one of the most bizarre and I guess noteworthy and historic seasons for any player that was on the PGA Tour. Um, but for Xander, it was especially notable. I mean, this this is arguably his best season ever on tour. Um, a couple wins, a uh, career-changing year, and was excited to really run through almost event by event and see what he was thinking. So I hope you like it. We cover a lot of territory. I mean, even as it was going, I was thinking, God, I, you know, there's so many follow-up questions that you could ask in different areas. So, um, you know, we can never go as deep on any one thing as I want to, but from... From his wins to how he thinks about his career to the Ryder Cup to live to whether he was close to leaving for live, uh, well, we get into pretty much all of it. So hope you enjoy. Without further ado, here is Xander Shoffley. All right, joining me now on the line somewhere between San Diego and Las Vegas, here to break down the engagement of Patrick Cantlay, Mr. Xander Shoffley. Xander, thanks for being here. Happy to join. Did not know that's what we're covering, but I guess we can go there. <laughs> now, I think we are mostly here to break down your uh, your golf season. It's hard to define a season these days, but hopefully getting a little bit easier as we go forward here. Um, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to run through what it's been like over the last 12 months to be Xander Shoffley. But yeah, first, happy off season. Where are you? What are you doing right now? I am. I had a couple uh, obligations in San Diego, so my wife and I drove over from Vegas uh, with the dogs, and we're on our way back. So is Maya being submitted to this entire thing too? I, well, I took you off speaker, so you can't hear, or so she can't hear you. But yeah, we're just uh, getting getting some gas right now, so um, she'll nice. be stepping out for the moment. All right. Well, apologies in advance. Um, take me back a year before. I guess the Ryder Cup, and let's let's start there. Do you remember where your uh, mindset was entering this season, coming off of last season? You're, you know, Olympic gold medalist. You were, whatever. People were still pushing you to win more PGA Tour events. Like, what was your mindset going into that Ryder Cup and this PGA Tour season? Um, I'd say that's a good. That seems like such a long time ago. Yeah, uh, I, I felt like um, it's pretty much the same as 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 every year starting out uh you know every off season you sort of assess how you did during the year and you look at your stats you sit down with your team you you know assess things and uh see if you got better or worse hopefully better sometimes worse unfortunately but that's just part of the game and that's kind of what i do at the end of i guess every regular season or after every you know playoff season uh or sorry playoff event uh at east lake and uh, you know, the Ryder Cup or President's Cup always sits a few weeks after that. So there's a few weeks to reflect, but I'm always excited to be on, you know, these teams now that I've played on a couple, haven't played on many, but 
they are awesome. And I'd say the Ryder Cup and President's Cup is just something you get excited for. So uh, you don't really, I don't know, bring any baggage from the season or, or too much hopes. You're just really excited to sort of share that, share the floor with uh, your, your teammates. When you do go through those stats, like in the off season, you look back and you say, whatever, I wish I was better at chipping from the rough. Like how, how much does that then translate to what you work on in the off season? Yeah, it's really fickle. I mean, you look at, hopefully the stats are uh, specific enough or in, in, in enough depth to show, obviously some stats are more important than others. There are, you know, uh, some stats that aren't uh, weighted heavily in certain departments. And uh, yeah, I guess it depends on, you know, how far you hit it or you, everyone always wants to hit further. That's kind of a baseline. And then, you kind of pick apart your approach game and then around the green, a lot of it's course management. So looking at stats can kind of be, um, it's hard to be objective, uh, but I'd say for the most part, I uh, last, I think going into this year, my big focus was uh, approach the green sort of like a hundred, hundred, 150 yards uh, was sort of my main focus. And I was able to, uh, get better in that department. Um, there were some random ones where I was, I, I think like this year I was, really bad from like 50 to 75 yards, uh, much worse than last year, but I didn't have, you know, an awful amount of attempts. So that's kind of how that goes. Yeah. I mean, your numbers are definitely good and I think definitely improved also. Um, oh yeah. 14th up to seventh. It says strokes gained approach the green. Nice work. Um, take me through the Ryder cup then. Cause this was your first, first Ryder cup team, right? Yeah. And you initially were leaned on to, uh, I mean, be a pretty key member um what now looking back on it you've had a, a year of perspective you've got another president's cup around the corner what was that Ryder cup like and what are some of your enduring memories from that yeah it was, it was amazing you know it's uh there's a lot of hype around it for good reason you know when you get um you play your sort of practice rounds which is cool with just a stadium up with no people uh, you get to see sort of uh, what the what the course looks like without people and then you obviously step on the tee that first tee with everyone going nuts. Uh, it's a really, you know, it's an unreal experience just being a player. I'm sure even as a fan, it's pretty awesome. Nothing like we see in any other or not many golf tournaments, I should say. Um, and then the, the, the team room was, was awesome. You know, everyone was uh, there to win, there to compete. Everyone was very relaxed. I'd say uh, Stricker obviously helped that process being just the way he is. And so there was a really nice balance, I guess, of, of work and play uh, that entire week. And uh, yeah, obviously I let it all hang out there at the end. Um, <laughs> after my law, after I got my ass handed to me, <laughs> I figured I might as well just start drinking and rally the troops here, get everyone excited to, to, to bring it in. Yeah. I think you said you didn't totally realize there was going to be a full on press conference after like an hour and a half of just hanging out and slamming high noons. Yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, I knew it was like a thing to chug. I just remember watching, you know, Bucks games or whoever with Aaron Rodgers and uh, uh, I don't know, I'm probably going to pronounce his last name wrong, the lineman Bat Batia or Batia. Um, yeah, yeah. He, those perfect. guys, you know, ch chugging <laughs> chugging beers at games. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, this must be like a Wisconsin thing. And so I just figured might as well get the crowd going. Um uh, especially after my loss, I had plenty of reason to drink and forget about what happened that day. And, you know, looking up the, at the board, I just – my, it's just team golf. I felt I felt terrible for letting you know our guys down, just trying to get that point up early on the board. Um, but when I looked up, there was plenty of red on there, and um, maybe I had some extra high news uh, 
or anything I could get my hands on for the matter, uh, <laughs> in, in honor of them. How would you grade your, uh, your chugging performance after like kind of watching the game film? I honestly haven't seen the game film. Mm. Um, just some photos of the team room after and, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not really sure. You know, I think it it's was, not, it's not great. The high noon, I, I think it's a really difficult drink. It, it's to a hard, chug. it's a hard chug. Yeah. Anything, especially out of a can, not, but yeah, it's a, it's a skinny cylinder too. So it's not good. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and I wasn't going to shock on it. I was trying to keep it somewhat classy there. I wanted this thing to last a little bit longer. So, um, no, it was, it was fun. So Very yeah, every, every time I think back to that, to that, uh, that trip or that event, it, it's all smiles. It was, it was a ton of fun. And how about playing with Patrick? Um, what is that? What is it? Where is that relationship now? I guess we'll get to your latest Napa adventure maybe at the end if we have time. <laughs> um, but uh, how cool was that playing with him given how often you guys have, have played together and practiced together? Yeah, it was, it's just fun. We're, I'd say we definitely bring out the best in each other. So um, we're, we just compete so much every week. So we almost feel we know what we bring to the table uh, against each other. And so for us to, you know, when we're both playing really well, we do feel like we can kind of take on anyone um, for that matter. So whether it's ham and egg or, you know, I'm thinking of the most recent team event that we played was at Zurich. So I'm trying to mm-hmm. think back to the Ryder cup. It being, yeah, it was the first time for us uh, in a Ryder cup, but not the first time uh, as us in the red, white, and blue. So um, just a ton of fun. You know what I mean? We just, we both get pretty hyped up to, uh, to compete. All right. Then the, in the fall, after the, uh, after the Ryder cup, you played, I guess, a few events, CJ cup, Zozo, and then the hero. So are those home games at this point? Is Vegas just full on home for you now? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm going to try and split some time uh, between San Diego uh, whenever it gets too hot in Vegas, but yeah, in, in, in season very much. So uh, yeah, being in Vegas, we have a lot of IRS listeners. So that's a smartly answered question too. Um, it's not really how it works, but <laughs> something like that. Uh, something what's, like the, that. what's the hero world challenge? Like how do players think about the hero world challenge? Because I've been down there a couple times from a media slash viewing standpoint. It's like the, the greatest golf tournament there is bunch of stars. Uh, <laughs> nobody there. You are in a beautiful place. Like, do you guys see that as vacation as golf tournament as the start of Christmas? What's that like? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, uh, it's a trip for me, uh, coming from the West coast. And Mm -hmm. for a lot of those guys who live in Florida, it's literally like an hour flight or less. So, uh, I think everyone, for the most part, I'd say everyone's, uh, more in, uh, I wouldn't say vacation mode. Um, but it is sort of the, probably the most relaxing tournament you could play. Um, I remember talking to a few guys that even I think it was at the Ryder Cup dinner talking about, you know, whether they're going to play Bahamas or not. Their significant others were near them and they're just <laughs> like, yeah, you know, they, the, the, you know, the wives are complaining that, you know, every time they go down, it's supposed to be more vacation. But then, you know, as soon as we get down there, we end up sitting on the range and practicing or we want to do a little bit of practice and not, you know, vacation as much. Uh, and that's just sort of, I think, how it ends up going. Just you're competing and you just, we all hate losing. So we ended up getting stuck, you know, as much as we want to go down there and relax, it's still, you're still playing, you know, for, for a win and we're trying to play to beat everyone. So yeah. it is kind of a combination of it. And I'd say everyone obviously scales it differently, but I'm somewhere in the middle. You know what I mean? I think I really enjoyed my downtime. It really feels like downtime. Like when I'm away from the golf course, which is like, you know, a hundred yards away from it, I feel like I'm like kind of on vacation 
And then when I'm competing, I do feel like I'm in a tournament still, which is kind of the best of both worlds, like you said. And then does that same thing sort of carry through to, to century at the start of the year to kick off your 2022? Um, a little bit. I mean, I, I'd say that counts in season. So yeah, with points and everything. So, I mean, I'd say century is sort of like the first time in the year where you get to showcase sort of, you know, uh, uh, any sort of off season Im- improvement or anything you've worked on with your coaches, or if you've had a change uh, in scenery uh, with your game, or like you said, your team, it's sort of your first uh, tournament to showcase it. Obviously it's in a very, very much a vacation spot. So, yeah. um, but I'd say everyone's not, like ramped up a little bit more for that one. It's going to be interesting now that that will be like, really the start of the season going forward, right? With Century being an elevated event now, more money, uh, more points, and I guess a slightly bigger field. Um, do you like that change? Do you like that signifier of, okay, this is actually the start of the season as it stands? Yeah, I mean, those are all, um, with the new world ranking system in place, you know, it it make I, under, I understand why those changes were made. You know, I think it's cool that the guys, whether you won or not, I mean, may just change the name of the tournament from Century of Tournament Champions to just, yeah. you know, the Century, I guess, or whatever they want to call it. But, yeah, it, it doesn't really bother me, you know what I mean, um, for the guys who haven't won and got in. I, I've been on both sides of it, so it's pretty hard for me to – you know, I, I was in the COVID year where the guys who made it to East Lake uh, got into that tournament, and that's how I snuck in. So, And then the Olympic year, it wasn't uh, – he didn't qualify qualify before the century, and then they kind of grandfathered it in as a qualification. So, I've kind of seen both sides of it, to be completely honest. And yeah, it really doesn't bother me that the field's going to be bigger. Yeah. Do you like that? That's going to be one of the elevated events. I I don't. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no I, opinion. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Not. I mean, not really. I I don't. I really need to run it through. Yeah, the elevated events versus non, or however you want to phrase it, is we won't really know how it's going to flow until we actually play a season. So many things have changed, so many formats have changed in the last five years, even or ten years, that it's really hard to for me to like sit here and imagine myself or imagine you know us playing all these events together and then having this break and then an actual off season. So sort of like see it till believe it, or I'll, I'll know how I feel once I play it. I'll... That makes sense. All right, this gets us to well, first the farmers insurance opener. Are you um, well, like where do you even stand with the farmers at this point? There's so much like pressure on you every year. You played what really well last year, I think. Did you finish second there last year? Back to uh, solid this year, thirty fourth. Yeah, yeah, it's thirty. Yeah, thanks for rubbing it in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd see everything <laughs> suggests that you should play really well there. You play well basically everywhere. Um, is it, maybe this is going to be the year 2023. You know, it's, I, I don't, it's such a, I, I really don't like that it's North and South. I feel like there's just mm. always like a split. Yeah. Um, I do love that place. Uh, as I've said openly before, just from a nostalgic and me, you know, being out there, but yeah, I, I would be, I think I'd be a much bigger fan if, if it was, you know, just all on South. I think it'd be a fair test, but I mean, everyone's got to, I don't know who, I don't know. I can't tell you if it's going to be my year or not. I finished 30th. I've missed the cut like six times in a row there, four times in a row there. And then I randomly finished second and then played pretty decent at the U S open there. So I got mixed feelings about the place. (laughs) 
That's fair. That's very fair. Your next tournament, Xander, was the Saudi International. And this is where we get into the uh, the modern professional golf world and, and everything that comes with it. Um, people since, or people in the aftermath of the Saudi International were kind of looking back at like, okay, who are the PGA Tours that went over there? PGA Tour players that went over there and played and, oh, okay, are those going to be the guys that end up on live? Um, how much was, was live being talked about at that point over there versus like you exploring a new tournament, taking advantage of a, a nice payday, you know, expanding your global brand, etc. Yeah. Um, it was trying to, trying to think, I feel like the live things just been, or the, the whole concept of starting a new tour has been around for quite some time. And yeah, from, you know, my personal, uh, I guess not interest, but like my uh, knowing of, of sort of what's, what's, what's coming as, as I've been pretty aware of it, even prior to that event. So the talk there was, you know, it was a few guys from the PJ tour ended up to ended up there and played. And uh, obviously uh, I wouldn't have gone if it wasn't sort of, I feel like I would have left way too much on the table uh, from a, a, a appearance standpoint that it was kind of a, I was, I was going, so I went yeah. <laughs> to collect an appearance fee there. I'm not going to sit here and lie about it. So, um, <laughs> that, that's what that was. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, of course we are there in Saudi Arabia, uh, and people are, you know, whisper the whispers here and there, but, um, just like any other tournament, I really just tried to, I knew what I was there for and, um, nothing obviously really came from it. Um, other than me playing in a different, on a different continent and then collecting, uh, some cash. What, what was the tournament experience itself? Like it doesn't look like there are a, a lot of spectators and maybe not that much like infrastructure around the course. Um, it was, I thought it was pretty well run. I mean, it was an Asian tour event at the time. I'd say yeah. if that, if I'm, is that correct? Yes. I think yeah, this was the so, first year that it was. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it was, it was fine. I mean, yeah, of course, like overall, I, I say where the stands were built, they were very nice. And then it was just hard to sort of put it in certain areas uh, structurally uh, due to a few, you know, like sand dunes or whatever it was. But um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was, run, it was run pretty smoothly. It was very much felt like a, a normal tournament. I'd say uh, it was a lot windier than I anticipated. Everyone told me it was windy, but it was definitely uh, put the, uh, the flight ball flighting skills to the test because um, it was blowing like 50 one of the days. So that was, that was new to me. All right, folks, let's take a quick break so that I can tell you about our friends at Radmore golf. The presenting sponsor of the drop zone is the best golf apparel company in the game. Guys, fall golf is pretty much here. And honestly, I think the hoodies may be my favorite thing at Radmore. Uh, the way you can get them is you head to radmoregolf.com. That's R-A-D-M-O-R golf.com. Enter code DROPZONE at checkout for 25% off. Trust me, there's a new fall line coming. It's fire. Go check it out. You won't be sorry. Back to Xander. All right, you'd been really cruising along in like this T12 to T30 zone uh, throughout the year until you get to Phoenix, and then you jump into contention finished third place there, uh, you know, kick off really what turns out to be an, a really, really good PGA tour season. 
Um, was there anything about that week that that stands out looking back on it? It's one of those things I don't – well, Austin, my caddy, got COVID. That's um, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Kaiser got COVID and was pretty bummed out. He loves playing that – or he loves caddying and looping and helping out that tournament. And um, we've just played well there. You know, I haven't really gotten over the hump in terms of getting it done there, but I've been in a couple final groups there. I've had a pretty decent track record there, and it's just a course that I – I don't know. It's like one of those things, you know, players, horses for courses, whatever you want to call it. I just have always played well there. So it was a nice time to sort of get back into good form and, and kind of get a taste of almost winning a tournament. Uh, and I it must have just been an overall comfort thing. I had my buddy uh, caddy for me. He, you know, uh, uh, one of my old teammates from Long Beach State. Uh, he was on the bag and um, he is a friend of Kaiser and I. And so he's really funny. Uh, we had a really good time and um, I think he was uh, crapping himself coming down the stretch because it was sort of like it threw, threw him right into the, the ring of fire there at the end. Definitely. I mean, it's funny because, I mean, you're not a particularly uh, loud guy, I wouldn't say, but you, you seem to. You don't think? Well, maybe <laughs> I just kidding. haven't seen that side of you yet, <laughs> but you seem like you enjoy the uh, high profile events. You like playing in front of a crowd, I guess is what I'm saying. You like performing for an audience and that's, like basically the biggest audience there is yeah for sure the the turnout there is incredible you see pretty much i'm i think you, you've been out there so you you see everything mm -hmm. from you know corporate super nice structures to college kids getting you know down and dirty in the in the, in the grime of you know walking around in the heat uh you see a, a wide array of just everything on that property and it's pretty entertaining being inside the ropes just looking out at times and um, yeah, it's always nice to, to, you know, get the crowd on your side, making a few birdies and, um, especially when you're in contention on that property, it gets pretty rowdy there on Sunday. All right. We get the Genesis, uh, the very next week. And that's, this was an insane Genesis, especially in hindsight, because well, a, it's just, you know, Tigers tournament, uh, one of the greatest, uh, greatest golf courses you guys play every year, uh, awesome field, but then there's also like the live stuff feels like it's um, like something's about to happen. Like there are about to be enough commitments that they'll, you know, make an announcement. Uh, guys are, are pledging allegiance to the PGA tour or not. And then uh, Phil's comments come out and just change everything. You released a statement, I think, you know, saying that you were planning to still play on the PGA tour where the best players were Dustin Bryson. They were both releasing statements which uh, which all came out a little bit differently uh, in hindsight later on. Like, wh what was that week all like, and what what was going on in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I it's it's funny to bring it back. It's what feels like a long time ago, but it was, I guess, the start of sort of the rumbles uh, within. Um, yeah, very distracting. Um, a lot of. Uh, you know, I had my fun with it, poking at people. People were poking at me. But for the most part, I just remember from a, you know, every dinner, every interaction, I guess, that you had uh, within the golf industry. Just, I mean, even now, it, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously worn yeah. off a little bit. But, like, even now, you know, or, or especially then, it was all about sort of, you know, wh who's going where, what's happening, what's it going to look like. Just like a ma massive speculation bomb, I guess that just went off during the middle of the tournament. So, um, uh, yeah, I guess that was the start of it all. And, 
I just remember it being really distracting. I remember it sort of almost, I remember my team really telling me like, uh, this is a lot of speculation and just asked me to try my hardest to sort of put my head down and not get, you know, sucked into, you know, all these random, you know, extra conversations on the putting green or on the range, uh, which is wasting time, I guess, you know what I mean? Because nothing's going to get solved on the range other than whether you're going to hit it right or left uh, in terms of like what tour you're going to be on or what tour structure is going to look like. Uh, but yeah, I just remember it being very distracting. You and Phil obviously both have, San Diego ties and, and, and play together sometimes. Is there any way that you can make sense of what he went through during that period and, and the period that followed? Or do you have any insight into, into that entire process? Cause that's, I mean, a strange chapter in a guy's career who's had a lot of interesting chapters. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's such a unique individual, you know, uh, he really is just, just how he goes about things. I mean, he's still, I haven't played with him in quite some time. I, you know, I've seen him, I haven't been in San Diego for starters. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I've seen him kind of around just being at the farms when I'm in town. Uh, he's still playing games with some of the guys out there. So, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, it's funny to see articles. I think recent articles come out, you know, where people are like, well, he wasn't too far off, you know, yeah. he just said some unsavory things. And so, uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate it's unfortunate that he wasn't sort of able to get his point across or his point was taken kind of aggressively out of, con- not, out of not out of context, but, you know, without him really knowing um, it's not really the, it's sort of every player's nightmare, I guess. That's why we mm. get, or, you know, I'm scared to talk to you guys. So yeah, uh, <laughs> understandably so, but yeah, I feel, I feel that, uh, you know, he, he said what he said. So term of feeling bad for him like it's it's hard but at the same time like you know whether he was emotional and behind closed doors that's one thing you know what I mean and so obviously what he was the, the points the main points he was trying to make and what he really wanted in his vision you know maybe we're living it out now on the PJ tour and mm. it's it's unfortunate that you know that he isn't a part of that uh, because this is pretty much what he so wanted but at the same time you know he knew he kind of knew that it was going to take something drastic and he just had to sort of pick which side of the fence he wanted to be on. And like I said, you know, he's been such a staple on the PJ tour and such a staple in our game of golf that it's, you know, I don't, I don't hold anything against him or, or think of him much differently, you know, regardless of what people have written about him. And, uh, you know, I've texted him here and there and, you know, he, he reached out to me and congratulated me after I won. So, you know, we still have a, the, what I'd say is very, you know, our relationship really hasn't changed. Um, at all i just see him less obviously because he's playing yeah. on a different tour and i'm not in san diego much i've just noticed guys saying hey this is off the record a lot more intentionally since that all went down yeah it's really it's unfortunate i mean it, it sucks for you guys too because it's sort of like you know one guy kind of screws you guys you know it's just kind of how it works in the, in the industry but you know one one bad rep from uh, a media personnel can really you know ruin a good reputation that you, any of you guys have just or, or make us more timid you know which is making your job a lot harder let's talk about your next little stretch here um with all due respect to your valspar let's skip to the let's skip to the uh i guess just missed cuts at the players and the masters and i guess those were different things because the players were just some of the craziest weather of all time um but how do you make sense of that chapter of your season uh, yeah, it was, it was sort of adding on top of the frustration that the players, I was, you know, 
I made the, I made the stat sheet the wrong way from going, you know, going in the top 10 to outside the top hundred in one mm. hole. That was not really what I was trying to do, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I was playing pretty well with the players. I feel like the game was kind of getting into some decent shape and then, you know, got hit with the, the literally the hurricane, uh, <laughs> on Friday and was not able to recover. Uh, I remember I played, actually played with Scotty Shuffler and he played unreal in the wind and was able to make the cut. I'm sure he was, one of not too many that made the yeah. cut from my side of the wave. I don't know what the stat is, but you know, I just I just chalk that up. Unfortunately, as sort of just catching the bad side of the wave. I'm like just gonna try and take advantage of the good sides I catch on, and try not to complain about the bad ones because it'll just be a mixed bag as as my career goes on. So that's yeah. pretty normal. And then going into the Masters, that was complete user error. I was felt like I was kind of making a turn in the game and um, was struggling a little bit. You know, it's a course that you want to play so well on for obvious reasons. And I was just, for the first time ever, I was pretty, didn't feel lost, but felt like I was kind of in between uh, uh, fiddling too much and just playing golf. And I really had no ability to self-correct on property, which was uh, kind of a double whammy for me since, you know, I've been able to self-correct on that property before. And for me to sit there and feel like I literally have no game to compete was kind of a little bit of a wake-up call. And is that a tournament that you have circled as like the one you want the most the masters or do you not necessarily hold it in uh, up to be like the same pinnacle that that other people might um it, it, the majors are put up on a massive pedestal so uh, for good reason but um i just i i've kind of gone away from picking and choosing uh, individual tournaments more mm-hmm. so than if i it can discipline myself enough to at, at every tournament I compete in, discipline myself enough to uh, compete at a high level or do everything I need to do to compete at a high level. That's sort of been more of my challenge. And of course, you know, when you get to a major, there's more distractions. Uh, you get in your own head more more because you feel like there's more to play for, even though it, it really just is another tournament. Um, so getting back to that mindset, uh, you know, I think when I missed the cut there at the Masters, I, I thought I was playing better. And then, you know, I, I kind of built it up in my head, like, okay, you know, I'm kind of catching stride as we'd say coming into an event like I got really excited and then I couldn't self-correct and then it actually I doubled down and playing like crap so uh it was it was no bueno how how hard do you take that and how much doubt lingers with you after a bad tournament are you able to kind of flush that and you have you know so much you have such a, a body of work now that you have the confidence that it's just going to come back or are you just like you know the average golfer that plays a bad round and you're like shit i might never play a good round again <laughs> no I, I i like to say i'm someone that knows my swing i know my tendencies i know sort of what make what allows me to hit the ball well or what allows me to cut and draw it and like the do's and don'ts of my swing and typically i can identify you know what i'm doing pretty well at the beginning of the week and if it's getting better throughout the week and then so when i use the word discipline it'd sort of be like you know if, uh, when you're on property and you know you're not turning the ball over very well, like just don't even try to. Sometimes it doesn't fit your eye, but or the or the shot calls for you to turn one over. But it, really, if you're disciplined enough, you just go away from it uh, until you can do so. And typically, I'm good at playing within my in my space, my parameters of the game versus trying to force it around the property. And um, I'd say when I do play bad, I can always kind of like reset pretty easily and kind of know where my game's at, and then just compete. So. Uh, you know, guys who go through swing changes and things like that, you lose all like you feel like you lose all motor function when you're going through a swing change. I guess everyone swing. Everyone always says they're doing a swing change, even though their swing looks identical. 
but your mm-hmm. feels just change and then it's really hard to like adapt on the fly uh when you're in a tournament yeah i'm going through one of those right now i'll send you some videos <laughs> get your feedback uh please don't <laughs> do you get some of that by the way do people send you like just random guys no, okay, no what do you think? i mean maybe they do i'm not you know me i'm a recluse when it comes to yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, being reached so I, I i steer clear <laughs> all right well that the good news is that was basically the last bad tournament or bad result you had basically for the rest of the season um so something did something change or just golf happened yeah a little bit of both i'd say my attitude changed i like mm-hmm. i said I, I i figured i need to go back to less golf swing you know i'm trying to implement a few things in the game uh to promote you know uh better uh, better results or you know better so it's moving the club better but i got so in love with it that i i i really or i was trying to learn the space so much uh, that i forgot that i need to compete Mm. and so it was sort of like a hard reset to get myself back to i guess sort of a grinders mentality of just get out there and get the ball in the hole and then we can kind of figure it out from there versus like, let's, you know, make the nicest looking swing and, 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 you know, the differences between those two things. And it definitely paid off. I mean, you won the, the Zurich. I, I still don't totally understand how to categorize that in terms of like your season or your responsibility. How, how did it break down in terms of one guy carrying the team versus the other, you and Patrick? Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, Pat came out, he was playing well. He, I, I knew I was getting a, a, a upset Pat from his playoff loss uh, at RBC. And obviously the fact that he was in a playoff means that he's playing very well. And so uh, in previous years, you know, Pat and I, were, we never were the year before that. We didn't really come into Zurich in decent form. Uh, if you want to talk of it like that in terms of like how we played the week before or, or prior. Um, and so he was playing very well and played very well during that stretch. I'd say uh, it was a, you know, a ham and egg attempt. Obviously alternate shot is such a ham and egg thing, but he played incredible. You know, he made a ton of birdies, made a lot of long putts. Um, he was definitely, you know, we, I let him hit it first a lot off a lot of tees, just he would comfortably hit it, you know, to 15 or 20 feet. And then that would open it for me to kind of be more aggressive almost. And like, I felt like on one of the days in better ball, he literally, converted on like six out of the 10 birdies or whatever it was uh, where he, you know, he took a conservative shot in the green so, to open up my lane and then he ended up burning the hole anyways. So when, when you're doing things like that and game planning, it's just sort of like, yeah, you just can't miss if that makes sense. Is it safe to assume we're going to see the two of you guys in uh, Charlotte in a couple weeks? <laughs> yes, that is a go out on a big safe, limb. Safer, there. Yeah. Safe assumption. Um. All right. Anything else that, that sticks out from the PGA or the U S open? Did you like uh, Southern Hills? Did you like Brookline? Yeah. I mean, I never felt like I was honestly going to win the tournament, but I yeah. felt like I was supposed to put in contention. And then I kind of never really got over the little hump there mid tournament, mm-hmm. um, whether it was an errant shot or a couple missed putts, but I felt like I was just still, it was very solid. Those were very solid performances by me, just not really getting much out of my game. So wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I was pleased with how I was playing. Just can't be results oriented when it comes to those things. Let's get to the wins because this is, this, this is like a, I don't know, you could say career changing stretch for you. If you, if you wanted to think about it that way. Um, 
you win the travelers, you win the JP McManus pro-am, you win the Scottish open three, well, two big time wins plus a little bonus win. Um, what, what the hell happened in there? I mean, I, yeah, I really, I say that sort of, if you think about what I was just saying prior, you know, I, yeah. I pretty much got my mind in a, in a good place, in a comfortable place leading, I guess it was sort of a, it wasn't just one week. It was sort of a buildup after I had such a big hiccup. I sort of refocused myself and relocked into sort of what, what I think I do best. And I, I'd say it was just, it sort of bared the right fruit at the right time. I mean, I, everyone always plays golf in really good stretches mm-hmm. and it's almost like when you're playing really well, um, just cause you're playing really well, doesn't mean you're going to score really well. So everyone always has, you know, a few months where they play unbelievable. And like, I, I think my head was just in such a good spot that I allowed myself to sort of keep playing well, if that makes sense, just being very day to day, very process oriented and not really results based at all. Like I really just, I didn't care that I was winning. I was just trying to focus that I was a focus on the task at hand. And that's the hardest part when you're playing well, because when you're playing really well, you feel like you can win anything. And then you get ahead of yourself and then all of a sudden you're not, you know, you're, you're hitting it well, you're chipping well, you're putting it well, but you're not really kind of messing up, uh, making some mental errors. And then all of a sudden you look back and you're like, dang it, like I could have won that, but I, you know, I messed up mentally. So I'd say, you know, it's hard to keep yourself in a good mindset for, you know, over a month. And I was about, I was able to do that for just about a month, a month or so. What is that pro-am like? Because it seems like sort of the coolest event. It feels like, I mean, you know, pretty much everything these days it's like if you have a cool thing then we 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 want more of it we want it more often <laughs> we want to maximize it and this event has such restraint to it uh it's like every five years there hadn't been one in, in like 12 years right is that as as strange and kind of mythical an event as it seems like from the <laughs> outside um it yeah it, it does feel very i don't know if it's just you know being in ireland there um it was really special you know it was I think it kind of hit me when we're doing the, the pairings party and I they started listing up all the people that are playing. Mm. And I was like, holy smokes, like all these people are showing up here. You know what I mean? Like to play in this thing, you know, the week before major, like, and everyone, you know, talks very highly of, of JP and the entire McManus family. And there's a couple, you know, there's three families and all really, uh, but the McManus being, you know, the main one with the pro-am uh, title attached to it. But, uh, just really kind people, super generous that the, their estate that they have there is unbelievable. The course was in incredible shape. Um, you know, having that sort of fan turnout at a pro-am was, another, you know, with cameras and everything was on another level as well. So uh, the whole thing was really, really special. Uh, and they definitely made us feel very special within, within the sort of walls there of the estate. Uh, and yeah, it's definitely, it was definitely a very cool experience and I'm definitely very happy that I went there, you know, besides how, you know, performance and everything, everything of that nature. Yeah. Wait, you, do you still own the course record? You said it the first day. Right? Uh, I probably not. I think someone beat it the next someone day. Someone beat it the next day. Pro- sure. Probably. That's kind of how it works out here on tour. Someone does something and then everyone feels like they can do it the next day. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. There's a, we have a, Submitted question from my co-host, Sean Zock, who's already started the weekend festivities in Chicago. Um, <laughs> he was playing the part of caddy that week at the Genesis Scottish Open. And he says, let's see, I asked you that week if you felt like the hottest player on the planet. And you said no, but then you won the Scottish Open literally days later. <laughs> you feeling like the hottest golfer on the planet after that 
And how fuego did you feel showing up to St. Andrews? <laughs> I, I don't really even know what it means to feel like the <laughs> hottest golfer on the planet. You know, I don't know if that's like a good or bad thing. Um, I think a uh, good thing. Probably. It just sounds weird. Um, but how about, did you uh, feel like the best golfer on the planet at that I point? I mean, like I was, you were playing I, the I best definitely golf. knew I was in a, in a, sh- in a short list of guys who were playing at a very high level, yeah. but golf is golf and uh, anyone can kind of win any week. So it kind of humbles you with, you know, inadvertently, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just knew I was playing at a very high level and that I was controlling my golf ball. And uh, even at the Scottish, you know, I didn't really hit it that good. Uh, the final round, you know, I was hitting it in some fescue. I just was playing smart. Uh, and I was, you know, as we would say, I was just doing everything that I was supposed to be doing, which is harder, easier said than done, but I was doing everything that I was supposed to be doing, you know, burning the par fives, making the eight footer for par, uh, getting up and down when I needed to out of the bunker, like, you know, missing it on the correct side, never short siding yourself, those kind of things. And um, it just, yeah, it just, com- com- you know, it compiled, it was compounded, all, all my good decisions sort of ended up turning over and over each week and they led to wins. So um, it's kind of weird. You know what I mean? I don't really know how to describe it. Had it been weighing on you not? winning i mean you'd won in in different ways like you'd won the zurich you'd won a freaking gold medal uh you'd won the tour championship stroke play but you hadn't won a pga tour title in a while despite being yeah. one of the yeah. best players in the world was right. that weighing on you i think so uh with uh, subconsciously i think it definitely was uh more than i wanted to admit um i just i remember zurich was such a such a nice sort of intro back to the space i remember walking down 18 with Austin and Pat and then Austin and I kind of had a moment to ourselves. And, you know, we basically knew we were going to win. Pat literally laid it up off the tee. All I had to do was not shank a five iron in the hazard on the last, I hit it somewhere left. And then once Pat had a wedge in his hand, we, you know, we could do like four or five shots in from there to win. And I just remember telling Austin sort of like, wow, like it's been a long time since we've had, you know, it's not our own, but sharing the space still, you know, we still were going to win the tournament and, I remember telling Austin, like, this is what it feels like. This is the process it took to actually win. We had the help of Patrick, obviously, and his calmness and um, his his skill. But uh, it was it sort of kickstarted the belief again that I I can do it. Like, it's it's not as hard or it's not as complicated as I made it for a year or so. Folks, just one more quick break to tell you about some cool stuff we're doing at Inside Golf. Uh, basically what inside golf is, is it's just a little, uh, behind the scenes action from the folks at golf magazine with your subscription, which is right now only $20 a year. You get a yearly subscription to the magazine, which is worth more than that in and of itself. And then you get exclusive access to a bunch of stuff, including an exclusive zoom that, uh, that my friend Sean Zock and I are going to do later on this week. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Your ears peeled for that. Uh, and a way to sign up is to go to golf.com slash inside drop zone. So golf.com slash inside drop zone for more info back to Xander playoff time, live time, like just a lot of, a lot of <laughs> politics now. Um, oh, I guess first, because it's funny when we talked about this, at the U S open, you're like, I wish someone would just ask me. So then I asked you, but now yeah. I'll ask you again, clearly like, how were you, were you ever at a point where you felt like you were close to joining live? Um, and, and where do you stand now? Um, no, you know, I talked to him. I, I definitely did. I, 
I sat with them. I wanted to hear what, you know, they had to present, what sort of their direction was. Um, felt like it was stupid for me not to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, no, I, I really felt like it was, no matter, I, I, I had no clue which way things were going to go, to be completely honest. You know, I mean, I was, I was very content with where I was playing. Obviously, there were everything you see now is, is, is definitely a result of there being competition. We're all, you know, everyone that's gone over there has obviously gotten a lot of guaranteed money and people mm-hmm. that are on, on this side of the fence here are making more money because of, uh, of, of the live tour and, and what they've presented. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's a, it's a strange time in terms of the fracturing of the sport, but uh, it's definitely because of that, you know, we are, having elevated tournaments now and we're having a different schedule and we're in the talks of changing, you know, the certain things of the structure of the tour and, and things of that nature. So, whereas before we had no leverage to do anything. Um, so I guess appreciative of, of sort of competition, uh, in itself. Yeah. And throughout that process, then do these changes make you feel better about your decision to stay? Uh, yes. You know, there's still, a lot of things that I want to see that were sort of initially talked in privacy mm-hmm. that have been a little bit lost in the sauce, I guess, with, mm. you know, all these new changes happening, which is normal. I'd say, um, it's, it, it, we're, you know, we're very much in a run and gun and sort of an adapting phase here on, on the PGA tour, trying to, you know, make it better and better and better and better trying to do it as quickly, as quickly, as quickly as possible. So it's, it's, it's definitely a, a learning there's a learning curve to that. So just trying to stay patient with the whole process and make sure, you know, things are done correctly. All right. Are there any of those changes that you haven't yet seen that you would like to share? <laughs> I knew you are going to ask that. Um, no, those are all, we were, that was the initial talk at Adair Manor that um, I, I think a few things from that have been sort of lost in the sauce, as I say. Um, and, you know, uh, they just need to get represented and get touched back up on not afraid that they're not going to get accomplished. I just, you know, from a personal standpoint, would like to see them come through. Are there any voices that you really respect and and listen to among your peers or or other guys in, I guess, leadership positions on the PGA tour? Um, I mean, that's, that's a tricky one. I mean, cause we're all supposed to share the room or share that space. You know, we've, we've definitely had, uh, Rory and Tiger come on um, as sort of, uh, I, I'd, yeah, I'd say that they've definitely been leading the way uh, with the communication between the PJ Tour and, you know, making sure things are getting done and, and pushing for things to get done. Um, you know, uh, Tiger has been the face of our game for quite some time, still is, I'd say, even though he kind of isn't really an active member or playing member right now. Hopefully that can change. Uh, and then Rory sort of like uh, the newer sort of, face of the tour uh, as of right now and uh, of course my my good friend patrick as well he, he has very compelling arguments um and is a very good thinker as i'd like to say uh, <laughs> he, he thinks the finality quite quite well and uh put put thoughts into words uh, better than most people that i know so um and yeah and then everyone else that's in the room you know it, it's pretty it is pretty amazing that you know we got I don't know how many guys ended up being in that room, but you know, initially uh, half of them and then some more in Delaware, um, everyone got together to sort of try and make a difference. So um, it definitely makes me feel better that everyone's willing to sort of, you know, put their neck out and, 
and, and get together on this one since we're so used to competing against each other. That felt like a, a it felt like a change from the outside. I mean, I wasn't even in Delaware. Um, obviously, was not in the room, but it, it felt like a more unified group of players coming out of that. Um, mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Yeah, I you know, just like anything else uh, in any relationship, uh, there needs to be really solid communication, and uh, us golf we're so selfish yeah. that it's so hard to you know, and we're all on different schedules and things like that, so. It's just really putting an emphasis on us communicating and staying unified. And not that that, not that that is not happening, but like, I'm, you know, those are one of the things I'm wary of that we really need to continue to stay together during this process because we are stronger together. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Walking out of that room, you know, I think everyone felt a lot better uh, than they did before they walked into it. Does it feel like now we, we are kind of seeing, um, we're kind of seeing everyone where they're going to be for, you know, at least, next season but and maybe the next couple seasons does it feel like this is kind of solidified and, and crystallized and and we now have like two tours going down different paths uh i'm not sure i i, I really don't know i mean in terms of anyone coming to play on this side of the mm-hmm. fence I, i'd say yes just because i currently i think it's impossible to do so yeah um and then in terms of other guys going over there i you know i i, I really couldn't tell you I, I think everyone or everybody has a number or a reason and uh, they don't seem too afraid to shell out. So uh, I, I could imagine if, if you tell me five or 10 more guys are going to go with the next year, I wouldn't bet against you to be fair. You know, I don't know any yeah. more names uh, personally, but the way things are going uh, based on our short uh, historical analysis here, um, <laughs> you wouldn't bet against it either. It does feel like there's been a lot of people in the predictions game that have been wrong. And, uh, right. It also, yeah, it also feels like every week there's a a big PGA tour event. You know, we're such prisoners of the moment that it's like, Oh man, the PGA tour has has won this battle. And then there'll be a live event the week that there's not a PGA tour event. And you know, the conversation is like, Oh man, the game has just totally changed now. So, uh, we're definitely (laughs) as reactionary as ever, I would say. Yeah. I mean, for good reason, there's just sort of new skin in the game and uh, new kid on the block sort of mentality. So it'll be really interesting to see sort of how these things uh, run parallel uh, over, over, you know, the next year or so, or however long they want to let it run for. You know? How's your game? How, how did it feel to finish out? You finished T3 at the BMW and then T6 at Eastlake, which is a horrible year for you um, at that place. <laughs> yeah, it was a unfortunate weekend. You know, I was, I came out of that rain delay. Um, I was kind of hanging in there uh, before the rain delay. And then, man, I came back. Uh, just It was very polarizing. Scotty played un- unreal coming out of that rain delay. He was just firing. He made four birdies. Four, he shot four under in the last sort of you know five or six holes, and I shot one over. So that was kind of a, a kick in the stomach there um, in terms of like position. You know, I, I felt like I fought my, my ass off on Friday just to get myself in a position because he, he, Scotty was playing so well. Um, and then I just kind of cruised through what seemed like an exciting weekend around me. And I just was kind of in neutral, uh, which was unfortunate. So, uh, I'm not sure if, you know, I don't know what to attribute that to, but it was, it was very unfortunate, I should say. Well, I think it was still pretty solid. We just have elevated expectations for you at that place. That's what, that's what happens. You know, yeah. that's what happens to you when everyone tells you and then, you know, had a good season and 
like I said, it's hard to hard to handle expectations in the moment. All right, last bit. Um, your high and your low from the season. What was your your very favorite moment, and then your lowest point? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say my high was probably winning the Scottish. How about uh, like even more specifically, like the mo? Is it the moment the putt drops on eighteen and you? Like, no, it was you more, lift the trophy. The uh. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I could honestly make it the travelers too, just because it was, that was my first individual mm. win, you know, the feeling, the, the feeling there, it was, it, it, they're different. You know, I, I, I wasn't leading at the, or no, I was leading at the travelers and then I kind of lost it and then brought it back. And then, I mean, to me, they're both equal just in, in essence, just because I've, I've, I've been more of a come from behind guy. And, um, I knew, you know, I knew that I've, I've lost tournaments a lot more than I've won them. So it's not like I had a ton of experience under my belt. So for me to pull those two off, I'd probably share that high equally just because I kind of did both of them in different fashion. Um, uh, but equally as exciting to me and, and as much of a relief in the end uh, from a, like a feeling standpoint when I was on the final hole there. Uh, but yeah, I remember if, if you go to, you know, if you had to pick between the two or not pick, but like compare the two, the 18th uh, travelers, that tee shot, I remember that being a really important thing. And then the seven, just to hit the fairway, you know, just to not make sure, like give myself an easy shot into the green. And then the par put on 17 at the Scottish, such a tricky putt there, kind of putting through a canal. A lot of guys missed that putt and I was kind of knew it. Um, and then I made that putt for par, allowing myself to sort of hit an iron off the tee on 18. Um, those two moments didn't come at the very, they're at the end, but not like at the very end of the tournament. So uh, those were very, very cool moments for me. And then the low would be, uh, sort of maybe like a mental feeling I had at the Masters or yeah, probably the overwhelming feeling at the players too, literally feeling as helpless as like a child uh, <laughs> cut out somewhere, you know, without any support. I literally just felt like I got my pants pulled down there on 18, making like a nine or 10 or whatever I made. Um, that was pretty brutal. That was a pretty big hit in the balls, uh, signing for like a 10 or nine or eight, whatever it was. And then, uh, teeing off again in like, you know, 10 minutes going back to the same side. I just blew up. <laughs> I'd seen you hit it in the water on 17. You hit it in the water in 17, right? Yeah. And then I made an unbelievable bogey. Like, yeah. yeah. You made a great bogey. I, and I, like I saw a that wedge from the drop zone from like 60 yards, I like a pitching wedge. And then I made bogey and I was like, okay, that is, I actually gained yeah. a shot on the field. And then, you know, I get up to 18 and the wind literally blows me over. I just wasn't really prepared for it and it blew me over. And I was trying to be aggressive, kind of like hit it somewhere near the fairway. And that was stupid. I should have just hit it like a million miles right. Um, but there, there I go again, you know what I mean? With, with sort of mental errors. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, damn, did I pay the price for that? And I just remember signing my card. Like I was at four under, I shot like three or four or one or two over. And then I had to go tee off on the same side when it's blowing like 50 and I was like, Oh boy, here, this is going to be a long day. <laughs> I saw you in that in between 10 minutes and I, I had no idea that you'd made a big number on 18. So I was kind of like, damn hard out there, huh, man. And you were kind of like, Rrr. and then afterwards someone was like, yeah, did you see, you just made like eight on 18. I was like, Oh, I, I did not see that. So yeah, anyway, I mean, I've been, I'm, I've been I'm, holding on to that one for a bunch of I'm, months. I'm happy that uh, that's always one of my goals since I was a kid um uh you know modeling my attitude you know after a bunch of different guys but sort of you know ricky fowler asked in terms of like you just don't know what i 
made that I'm happy that you didn't. It didn't look like I just made a twelve. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't moping around. I'm, I'm no, glad. You're tough to read. <laughs> All right. Um, very final question. Give yourself a grade for the season, beginning at last year's Ryder Cup, continuing through this year's Tour Championship. Yeah, I'd give my. I'd give myself an A. Nice. You know, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty tough grader, but I, yeah. I wouldn't. I give myself an A. Absolutely. I, I mean, I. Yeah, just just an A. You know what I mean? I don't know yeah. if I've ever got, I've ever received an A plus in my life, but I'm I'm working towards that. <laughs> Were you a good student? Uh, define a good student. <laughs> well, did you get a lot of A's? Uh, yeah. I mean, in high school, where I think everyone should get A's if you just pay attention, but um, not everyone does though, Xander. In college, in college, you know, that's when I the whole the the real life, you know, where you have to manage your time and you're not forced to be in school and you can skip class and all those things. Yeah, I was not as good as a student there. I took some liberties. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, we've already kept you for almost an hour here. Uh, how, how's your progress? Did you make it to your destination? No, dude. I'm driving to Vegas. Right. I'm like, we're sitting well, in traffic I don't know if you there. Just left, yeah. but. Yeah, we, we just left, so we're uh, we're we're far away, oh, sitting boy. in traffic along with thousands of other people. All right, well, you can uh, spend the rest of the time. You can throw on some old episodes of the Drop Zone. Um, <laughs> Bud Zander, thanks for joining us. Thanks for giving us your report card, and uh, safe travels. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, that was Xander Shoffley. Um, thanks for listening. I hope you liked it as much as I did. I, I love getting that kind of nitty gritty detail oriented stuff, especially with a little bit of hindsight. Um, I just feel like, I don't know, you get, you get a sense of what matters to these guys with a little bit more than just 20 minutes of car wash media after a round say. So I hope you liked it. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.